So think of it this way. Here is Jesus. His ministry is gaining some traction. At first, people were just curious about this miracle man and all these miracles that are happening. But then they became transfixed at his teaching. And he was teaching about the kingdom of God. And he's, he says it's at hand. He was teaching about a new way of becoming human beings. It's instead of like the normal way, you know, the normal way, self-absorption. Instead, it's a new way of loving God and loving people first. And this actually made some religious people very, very angry because they were religious professionals and it exposed their hypocrisy and deceit. So these religious leaders, these religious professionals, the Pharisees, who their profession was not to love God, love people. Their profession was to show people why they needed them and how awful they were. They went into attack mode and they accused Jesus of being in league with the devil. You know, ascribing the work of the Holy Spirit to the devil is not a good idea. So Jesus told people to watch out for the Pharisees because they know all the rules, but they don't know any of the wisdom behind the rules. And they certainly don't care about you. Don't fear them. But he says, your heavenly father, oh man, he remembers every sparrow. He has every hair on your head numbered. So don't be afraid. Someday, someday, when you're standing before rulers and hypocrites, you won't even need to defend yourselves because the Holy Spirit will teach you what to say. And this is intense stuff. You could hear a pin drop. It seemed like in his day there were no distractions, right? <laughs> And Jesus' words, it was almost like this evil spell of darkness and self-seeking and hypocrisy and hatred is just pulled away and the light of Jesus' portrait of the kingdom of God is just shining all around the disciples. Imagine this moment in Luke chapter 12. And in this powerful, intense moment, someone standing in the crowd breaks the silence Luke chapter 12, verse 13, this is what he says. Someone in the crowd said to him, hey, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. The guy doesn't get it. And clearly, as we'll see in a moment, Jesus is not pleased with the question, and it just must have been so awkward. So how does Jesus respond to this? Like, out of nowhere, completely, this guy's totally into his own agenda, missing the whole point of everything Jesus was saying. What does Jesus do? Jesus responds as only Jesus does. He tells a parable. So watch this. The parables of Jesus. Let's look at what Jesus said about a wealthy man who was most successful in becoming a fool. 
In Luke chapter 12, we read about a man who shouts out to Jesus for justice. The man wants his brother to divide an inheritance equally with him, and he wants Jesus to make his brother do so. Jesus refused to arbitrate the inheritance dispute, but gave the man something far more valuable, a lesson. He told the story of a wealthy man who had a bumper crop. In fact, the windfall was so big, he didn't have enough room to store it all. But instead of sharing his abundance, the successful man decided to just add more storage. He congratulated himself, figuring he had enough stored up to take it easy for years to come. The problem with that thinking is that very night he died. So who is going to benefit from his stored up wealth? The implication to Jesus' listeners was clear. The wealth would go to the successful fool's kids who would squabble over their inheritance, just like the man who shouted out to Jesus. So what's the moral of this story? Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for your word. As we dive into your word, we pray, Lord, that you would teach us to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. So yeah, Jesus actually replied, this is verse 14, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? And then he said to them, that said to all of them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. So do you see what's happening here? What's happening is this guy, someone, was willing to throw his brother under the bus for inheritance cash. He was willing to throw his brother under the bus for inheritance cash. And, and this prompts Jesus to call the dude out for his greed. And then Jesus' mind goes to the father, the guy's father who must have died to make this inheritance possible. And, and now the spotlight's on us who are dads, right? We're working hard all our lives. And whether we mean to do this or not, one way or another, we leave a legacy. We leave a legacy to our kids. And the question is, though, what kind of legacy are we leaving? And that's when Jesus shares this powerful parable that you just heard in the video. Man has a bumper crop one year, too much grain to hold in the barn, so what am I gonna do? I know, I'll build more barns. Security for a lifetime. Won't have to worry, won't have to depend on God. I can just depend on my hoard. And that night God spoke to him, it actually says in verse 20, but God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you, then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? Jesus then said, this is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. So God asks this man, who's gonna get what you've prepared for yourself? And let's think about that for a second. Who's gonna get all those barns full of grain? Who's gonna get it is somebody just like the guy in the crowd that's shouting, Jesus, make my brother divide the inheritance with me. That's who, because his father taught him to be that way. So, <laughs> I like to think of myself as, as not this guy, right? I, I've never had that kind of bumper crop. But I, I 
Do you see in myself the tendency? Particular time. Do you remember like 12, 13 years ago, something like that? It was one of these occasions where everybody was saying, you know, the apocalypse is around the corner, or, you know, civilization's gonna collapse, there won't be enough food in the stores. I don't know if you remember, but it was going around big time where I was working. And, you know, people were like, no, you gotta get MREs and you gotta get ammunition and, you know, all this stuff. And I, and I worked at a, at a rare coin dealership that sold gold and silver, so people were buying silver like crazy. And, you know, they were starting to get to me and so I bought some bags of rice. And people were like, no, you gotta get like real, you know, Patriot food or whatever it was at the time, I don't remember. But I'm like, you know, I'm not, I don't like to buy into people's, you know, advertising, so I'm just gonna figure this out my own way. What is it that's like calorie dense, protein rich, um, and lasts for a long, long time? Thousands of years. <laughs> Spam. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily like spam, but I mean, you know, if, if you're starving, it's, and, and plus, you know, and the kids aren't gonna eat more than their share because they're not gonna like it. <laughs> so, I, you know, I was calm about it. Every week, I'd go grocery shopping, and I'd get two cans of Spam. Right? Just, you know, under the radar. Nobody's going to know that I'm hoarding spam in my garage. And I did this for a couple of years. We had this special shelf that was like really deep so we could put stuff in the front and the spam was on the back. Very well hidden. Nobody would find it. Well, I, just spoiler alert, the apocalypse did not happen. And when I went into ministry full-time, I was doing this part-time, but when I went in full-time uh, almost seven years ago now, I'm like, you know what, we gotta sell the house, move into a small apartment. We didn't have room for the spam. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you know, what kind of lesson am I giving? Am I trusting God? Or am I trusting in spam? <laughs> so we loaded up the spam, my wife took it to Helping Hands, and uh, it all fit in the car. And Clayton Davis, that's Pastor Glenn's dad, was there receiving it. And he's like, this is the mother load. <laughs> I should have done this in the beginning. It's okay to buy a couple extra cans of something, but why not give it away? What should that successful man have done with his bumper crop? Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. You see, because and this is in your notes, God does not intend for our blessings to stop with us. He intends for them to flow through us, that's what we're here for. So this guy, instead of choosing how he would bless other people with his newfound wealth, this, you know, some people call this the parable of the rich fool. I don't, doesn't say that, it says that he had one big bumper crop. He was successful, he was a successful fool. But he died, and his attitude of hoarding and greed 
didn't do him any good, it was just his legacy to the next generation. He could have experienced the joy of blessing others, but now he's lost everything. So today from this parable, knowing that, that I can have this tendency, I wanna ask myself three questions, and, and I'm inviting you to listen in on this self-reflection, because the incident with the spam taught me that if I'm not careful, I can start to think the way that successful fool thought. The first question I have to ask myself is this, where's my heart? Where's my heart? Am I really committed to the idea of trusting God to meet my needs? You know how Jesus taught us to pray? He said, give me this day, give us this day, our daily bread. Remember he, he said to pray that way? He's, he's reflecting back on the children of Israel wandering in the desert for 40 years and remember how God took care of them? He gave them manna every day. But the, the way he gave this manna, if, if you read this in Exodus, it was such that there was enough for the day for everybody to collect. But God's like, don't collect for more than one day, just one day. Some people, they're like, well, I'm collecting for more than one day. And the stuff that they collected for the next day rotted and had maggots in it and everything. It's like, no, each day, one day, except for the day before Sabbath, then you can keep it for two days and it won't go bad. It was daily trusting and reliance on him. The psalmist reflects back on this, I believe, in his own life, in Psalm 26, starting in verse two, and he says, test me, Lord, try me, Examine my heart and my mind, for I've always been mindful of your unfailing love, where there's chesed for people in my class, your mercy, your unfailing love. And I've always lived in reliance on your faithfulness. So, so my kids and your kids and your grandkids, they're looking at spam guy here to see what I'm gonna do with what God's provided to me. Do I spend it all, just spend it? Spend it, borrow more. Do I spend all my time, because this is something God's given me, time. Do I just spend it in self-improvement and recreation, making myself smarter and going to the gym? I'm not spending much time at the gym, I, I just, just so you know. Or do I hoard stuff in case God doesn't come through? So I'm gonna give you permission to something. Some of you have seen me at, at the grocery store at Walmart. So if you do, if you see me at the grocery store and you see me lingering in the canned meat aisle, <laughs> you can call me out. Keep me accountable. Say, Pastor Tim, remember, give me this day my daily bread. Because God is not inviting me to hoard. He's inviting me to bless. So, with that in mind, <laughs> does anyone in this room actually like spam? Would you raise your hand? There's a few people. Pastor Andrew is, I bought this spam the other day and it is, it is yours. Keto Mike, that makes sense. Yes, oh, I'm sorry, it's going to somebody else. God bless you, sir. God bless you. It is a blessing to be a blessing. It felt good. 
That leads me to my second question, the one that I'm gonna ask myself here, and that is, where is my treasure? Where is it? Jesus said in Matthew 6, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So, so what is the true treasure that I'm leaving behind? Because I promise no matter how big a house I could ever leave or how many thousands of dollars I could leave, it's all gonna go bad if it comes with a me first mentality. It always does. So I mean, think of it this way. What if Pastor Glenn, who's a father figure to so many of us, amazing man of God, and, and by the way, he's at a conference this week, so we'll pray for him, but I'm sure he's watching now or will be watching soon, but what, imagine if he said to the church staff, hey, listen, what we're gonna do is all the food donations that come in, we're gonna hoard them into a big warehouse so that when the tribulation comes, any of our family members who are still hanging around are gonna have food. No, he won't do that. Pastor Glenn says give it away at helping hands to anyone who needs food because that is storing up treasure in heaven. Or what if Pastor Glenn said, hey, Pastor Tim, I want you to spend a certain number of hours each week studying the Bible so that you and I can hoard the secret knowledge and make money as TikTok influencers. <laughs> he didn't say that. He wouldn't say that. He said, okay, Tim, God made you a nerd for a reason. <laughs> So let's take that passion for the scriptures and give it away for free. That's what we do on Wednesday nights in our Bible study. This summer we're studying Jude. It's free. We give it away. But maybe this doesn't just apply to me. Maybe this, this applies to all of us. What are some of the greatest legacies we can leave behind? One of them is wisdom. Wisdom from the Bible. It's one of the greatest legacies we can leave behind. Our service, the way we serve at church, it's one of the greatest legacies we can leave behind to the next generation. How we participate in spreading God's kingdom is one of the greatest legacies we can leave behind. So ultimately, I wanna invite each of you to ask this last question together with me, but ask it all of us to ourselves. This is a question each of us can ask every day, I think, and that's this. What is my legacy? Is it barn life or is it banquet life? What do you mean, Pastor Tim, by banquet life? Well, the successful fool responded to his windfall with barn mentality. And, but what if he had said to his family, hey, you know what, here's what we're gonna do. This crop is more than we need this year. There are a lot of hungry people in our town. Let's throw a party. Let's invite anyone who is in need and let's treat them like honored guests and feed them the meal of their lives and then send them away with three months of grain for their families. We're gonna give it all away. What would that have taught his children? Well, it wouldn't have taught them to squabble over their inheritance, I tell you that much. 
in your notes, we can leave a legacy of greed or we can leave a legacy of grace. I mean, maybe you've seen this in your own families, I have in previous generations, or even among your friends, where some injustice happens in a will. It's, it's true injustice. Or, or the will is not being honored the way that it's supposed to be, and it splits a family forever. Brothers and sisters, they like never talk to each other again because one or two of them stole or, or didn't steal and others thought they stole or whatever. And it's not fair. And the injured complained to their kids about how unfair it was. And so guess what their kids are gonna do when they die? Jesus says, don't build a barn. Trust me. Throw a banquet. And the banquet, it's not just for your friends. Banquet's for the needy. And Luke, just a couple of chapters later, then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, your rich neighbors. If you do, maybe they'll invite you back and so you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, fight the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed. Although they can't repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And this is, this is the thing, ultimately leaving a legacy to the next generation is about trusting God. As a father, as a Christian, do I trust him to give me my daily bread? Think of a few years ago at the beginning of the pandemic, right? Do, do we even trust him for our daily toilet paper? You know? And Jesus is inviting us into trust. Maybe your earthly father taught you to trust in God daily. Maybe he was a man of generosity, sacrifice. And it's time to come back to that example in your life. Or, or maybe your father spent it all. Maybe he built barns and didn't really leave the legacy of trust to you. That's okay because we can look to Jesus. This new way of living, it starts with us. God has you at this church today for a reason. You wanna see what banquet life looks like, just drive by on a Monday, Wednesday, or Friday, see the cars lined up here in the parking lot to receive food between like 11 and one. We, in this place, we're not barn people. We're banquet people. All that happens. Last year we together gave away over two million pounds of food. That's you. That's God using you. So already, fathers, mothers, sons and daughters, already you are banquet people. I'm just inviting us to dive in even deeper into that kind of life. Because think about what he's given us, how trustworthy he is. What has he given us? He's given us blessed assurance. He's given us salvation as a free gift when we turn to him. Salvation, eternal life. What he did on Calvary was more than enough. The author 
of tomorrow, who knows all the future. He's ordered our steps and he will never fail. Because this is true. I sought the Lord, you sought the Lord, we sought the Lord. And he answered. So it's Father's Day, so it's a great day to trust our Heavenly Father, to make Father's Day most of all about him. What's the moral of the story that Jesus told to that young man trying to appropriate his father's legacy? His moral is don't trust in the barn. Trust in God. And we're gonna sing a song that is pretty new to us here at this church. But you've heard it before probably, it's beautiful. I wanna invite you to take in this song any way you desire. You can stand and worship, you can sit and soak it in. But let's join in this song together.
can have a, have a seat for a moment. So after Jesus told this parable, there's a follow-up. Jesus continued to, to talk. He turned to his disciples to kind of give them the, the fullness of what he was talking about. And he says in, in verse 22, Jesus said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat, about your body, what you'll wear. For life is more than food. The body is more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them. How much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you by worrying could add a single hour to your life? Well, since you can't do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin, but I tell you not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? You have little faith. Don't set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Don't worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things. And your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom. These things will be given to you as well. Don't be afraid, little flock. For your father's been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See what he's doing, he's teaching an abundance mindset, not a scarcity mindset. Father will take care of you, trust in him. It doesn't, he's not saying never have a 401k or any of that stuff, but let our mindsets be that of which What's the least I can get away with keeping so that I can be a blessing to other people? I know, it's crazy, it's upside down. Well, that doesn't work today, Pastor Tim. Well, it didn't work then either. It works in God's economy. Believe me, people who were listening to him weren't like, yeah, that's how it works nowadays. No! You and I, when we put this principle into our lives of blessing other people, everything changes. Just a heads up for a moment, we're gonna take the lights down in just a minute, so if you feel like moving around, just be very, very careful in a moment, be safe. The reason we're gonna bring lights down is because I think people ask, look, okay, so let's say I live this life and I'm happy, but what difference does it make in the world? Why should I put my treasure in heaven anyway? Because nobody else is doing it. I mean, the whole world is dark. It's dark. It's full of darkness. I would be such a small light. You see what happens when there's darkness all around? People are drawn to even a small light. It changes everything. It changes the room. 
Because in a dark room, even a small light sends a big message. Would you just bow your heads, close your eyes for a moment? Nobody looking around. I think that there's folks that are here today there's something compelling about Jesus' words and just the way Jesus speaks, right? And maybe you haven't heard his words in quite this way before. Maybe it's the first time you've encountered this parable or this passage. I want to encourage you that what he's asked of us is not something he hasn't done himself. He's given us eternity for the asking. The way the gospel works is that is not the way normal human religion works. The way normal human religion works is you, you've got to earn your way into God's favor or you've got to do certain things. You've got to get good enough and then you'll achieve enlightenment or you'll achieve salvation and that is not the New Testament at all. It's not the Bible. What God did is he looked and says that there's no way they can earn it. Of course not. We're infected by sin and even a little bit of that poisons the whole thing. So God says, I'm going to have to do it for them. And he sent his own son to die on our behalf to take upon himself all the sin and defeat sin and hell and death in his own body and he rose again and a promise of eternal life for anyone, anyone who would put their trust in him and say, okay, Jesus, I, I, I know I can't earn this. I know I can't be good enough myself, so I, I trust in you. Please forgive me of my sins. This new life you're talking about, this eternal life, I, I'm, I'm open. I receive it today, Lord, if it's really you that's giving it, and it really is. And if that's you and you would say, if that's how it works, I'm in. And you just wanna say, Pastor Tim, I'd like you to please pray for me. With everybody's head bowed, eyes closed, because I'm not gonna call you out, have you stand up or anything like that. This is kind of a moment, me, you, and God right now. If you wanna say, Pastor Tim, yes, please pray for me for that. I'm gonna count to three. As soon as I count to three, you can just slip your hand up in the air. As soon as I see it, you can put it right back down. One two, three. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. I see those hands. And Father, I do, I pray for those who raised their hands and those who wanted to. And I pray, Father, that you'd reveal yourself to them in a new and powerful way. Give them the gift of, of your son. Change your lives this day. In Jesus' name. You know, and for the sake of, of the people that raise their hands, would you all join me in this prayer? And if you're praying this prayer for the very first time, you mean it in your heart, God, he always answers yes to this prayer. The Bible says those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So pray after me, will you? Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I know I've done wrong. I know I've sinned but you sent your son to die for me. So I ask forgiveness and I receive new life 
and I make you Jesus, my Lord, my Savior, and my God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, is God good or what? What a beautiful Father's Day to see hearts changed for eternity. So would you stand with me now to receive your blessing? I'm gonna bless you for this week. I'm gonna give you a Father's blessing. And I wanna encourage you dads as you leave, we've got beef jerky, we've got Coke, and we've got photo walls with motorcycles. So yeah, enjoy, this is for you. But to receive your blessing now, as the altar prayer team comes to the front, by the way, I just wanna encourage you, if you want prayer for any reason, or if you raised your hand and would like to know more and have a gift, we have a book to give you too for free. Just come up and see one of these altar prayer team members. They'll pray for you. Do we receive your blessing though, if you would just open your hearts to him, where you can turn your palms upward in an attitude of receiving. As a father this day, I bless you, son, I bless you, daughter that you would know the love of your heavenly Father, that you would know purpose, that your life would be a blessing to those around you, that he would guide you step by step, knowing that you are loved. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Happy Sunday, happy Father's Day. We love you, church.